Yeah. Yeah, me and Jesse are going to. Uh, me and Jesse are going to uh, do the intro here. Yeah. Wait, Jesse, you got to move closer, dude. You got to read this. You got a script for you. Oh, that's rough. All right. No. Do I have to read a script? It's a podcast, bro. I'm terrible. Just the intro. You're killing me. The. So here's the thing. The M's are for me for Mallard on this script here. And the J's and are the, for Jesse. What do you know? I just want to make sure that's clear. So are we talking B for Brock, right? Well, Brock, I didn't or, write him in. Is that a silent J at the beginning? In, I think it's a soft He's not J, Swedish. Oh. It'd be like yay. Bjork. Soft J. That'd be like Bjork. Do you think do you think people from Sweden who are named Bjork go by Jork for short? No. No. Definitely not. Alright, well, I don't think you guys know a guy from Sweden. Yeah, dude. What's his name? Bjork. (laughs) Definitely pronounced Bjork. The girl I recruit used to work in at least live in Norway. Alright, Jesse, go ahead and hit record. I done been recording, bro. Is it is the light red? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're recording, man. Will you double check? Dude, it's recording. Co- it's because it's two minutes and ten seconds. Yes. You screwed it up last time. Last time we were led astray because you don't plan, Mallard. Hey. I don't think uh, any of my plans had to do with clicking record. But anyway. No, they do. All right, everyone. Hi. Uh, welcome to Gorilla Grand Rapids, episode two. And I just wanted to start, Jesse, I'm happy to tell you that we made it. We've hit the big time. We are made men. All right. Um, why is that? Well, I worked on the business side of the podcast this week, and I signed us a deal that's going to pay us $1 million for every listener we had in episode one. $1 million each. That's got to be false. Yeah. I mean, that's incredible, but... Uh Explain yeah. more, please. Well, why don't you go ahead and take a look at those statistics? See how much we're going to cash in. Hmm. Yeah, what do you see? Huh, that's weird. Uh, what do you mean that's weird? Zero listeners, man. Zero? Zero listeners? That can't be right, dude. Click refresh. Click refresh. There's gotta, you got to update the stats. What's it say now? All right, uh, right here it's, it says zero, man. Wow, dude, those were the same numbers it, we saw when it said on the task cam. We found out you weren't fucking recording last week. Oh, that was a good burn, <laughs> good, dude. Good Christ, some fucking worse over there. <laughs> anyway, why don't you go ahead and tell the people where we're at? All right, uh, we are sitting here having a beer at Z's. Dude, who are you talking to? No one listens to this. No one listens to this, but... Uh, no, keep going. But yeah, so this is uh, our second episode of our podcast. We're drinking beers at Z's right now. Well, this whole thing, we were supposed to be at Gerald R. Ford Museum. Because, Terrible idea. Because our, our guest today, he was a presenter of the Gerald R. Ford Award, which is given to someone from the NCAA. Uh, not quite sure who or why. But, yeah, can you please explain more, Mallard? You know, I think we're going to ask the, from the man himself um, uh, why, what that award is all about. But, Jesse, I see here we have a third mic because we have a, a third uh, 
participant here with us today. Uh, why don't you go ahead and uh, well, let's introduce him. Uh, he's uh, he's our uh, co-host this week for episode two of Gorilla Grand Rapids. This is Steve Blake. I played basketball at Maryland in circa 2008. Hey, oh, you mean, oh, oh, Randy Mayer. I see. Yeah, talk a little bit further from the mic, Mallard. Oh, my, I'm right up on it. <laughs> yeah, the more you move, the more you can't really set it. Oh, I think I was too far away from the mic last week. All right. Try it out. Great to have you. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks, man. Looking forward to this. So, uh, I was thinking, uh, now that we met some people at the Gerald R. Ford Museum, and uh, they politely asked us to leave uh, <laughs> on federal grounds, apparently. Yeah. Um, I was thinking, now that we have some connections, we could use them to, to score an interview with Gerald R. Ford. Yeah, I think that's probably a good idea. That would be idea. so dope. Oh, you know what we could do, actually? Just go to, uh, like, a psychic? Yeah. And yeah. then we interview Gerald R. Ford through the psychic, and... Boom. Got it. Well, why don't we just uh, get them in person? Actually, we could. I have a friend who knows Nixon pretty well. You no, know? I want Gerald R. Ford because it's Grand Rapids. No, but... All you have to do is stand outside in Between Two Cheeks Park out there. It's right there. What's Between Two Cheeks? Between Two Cheeks Park. I've never been there. Oh, so dude. Outside the Gerald R. Ford Museum. <laughs> is that some sort of asshole joke? No, it's bad radio. He's buried outside there, so we could go stand next to his grave and just interview. Oh him. wait, he's dead. Well, then who's president right now? That was your joke the entire time. I was waiting for you guys to say that he was dead. Oh yeah, it took well, you a really long time. Oh, I would have kept going dead. on for like two more hours. I know you were really beating around the bush there, George Bush, oh, but the Gerald R. Ford this on. time. Okay. Oh my god. All right. All right. All right. So, All right. so Brock, I'm wondering if you if you listened to uh, episode one. I for sure didn't. Oh. Yep. <laughs> Not a second of it, actually. You know, it's it's available out there on uh, on the iTunes. Uh, I didn't know. Podcast. Is it? Yeah. Right. Uh, I think Brock should play like the resident pessimist in like every every podcast, where like kind of how it looks. Where, where like yeah, basically he say, just he like answers every that. question <laughs> very cynically and very pessimistically, just and he just uh. Dude, yeah, for sure. I'm in. And then it'll be like, hey, Brock, check out this new technology, and we'll interview some, like, high-level CEO from some company, and then Brock will just be drunk and shit on it. Tell him to fuck off. And you'll be like, oh, my God, no, Brock. Yeah, I'm done for that. All right, so anyways, your long play out that bad joke well, about Gerald Ford being dead. Well, yeah, well, I'm, I was just thinking, if you listened to our podcast, we would have made a million dollars. I would have split it with you, at least. But uh, Jesse just checked the stats, and, and we had zero, zero listeners, so... Is that actually it, true? It would have been. <laughs> that's what he said. He checked them. Right. Didn't you see them? Yeah, zero listeners. You saw them with your own eyes. Do you want to pull up those stats again? I didn't even listen to it. Oh, see, look. Here they are. What's that say? It says you're an idiot. <laughs> zero. And, uh, all right. I could have interviewed you as a first listener, too. That would have been fun, too. But, uh, <laughs> so... <laughs> But you're not loyal, so... So it's been two weeks since we recorded that first podcast, and, you know, just talking to people and saying that I have a podcast going and sharing it with some people, I said, we have a podcast, and I shared the link, I said, go ahead and give it a listen. Well, no one took me up on that, they just said, oh, cool, man, really great, and uh, now we're looking to see how many of those people actually listened, there were zero, and... Um, well, anyway, in these conversations about podcasts, 
and the whole premise here that we're going to interview local talent and locals who have brought their talent elsewhere. Everyone likes to share or try and uh, uh, suggest a person that we should interview, right? And then that just got me thinking, right? Because I have to plan all this out and I have to put together a list of future guests. And my favorite idea that I had, and I want to ask you about this, Brock, is you know this, you know that bar downtown called The Bob? Yes. Well, I was thinking we could get Bob on the show. <laughs> uh, yeah. Mallard, I, w I want it to be known that if you start a, a, a career in stand-up comedy, yeah. it's going to take a little bit to get started. You know, People well, might not come back the first time, but you know, maybe on the fifth or sixth. I actually want to know how long it took you to come up with that joke. I just, I didn't think it was really a joke. I thought it might be easy to get to get Bob on the show. But we could get a Bob. Well, okay, so I got, I had two people on my list. I had Gerald R. Ford, and I had uh, that guy Bob, uh, who owns a bar downtown called The Bob. I think it's kind of a, a pompous thing to name a bar after yourself. But uh, you're telling me that we can't get either of these guys on the show? I'm pretty sure we could get a Bob to come on the show if you really wanted to but yeah no probably not the guy that's named the bob Maybe wait the, blob. the? <laughs> possibly the blob but probably not. Dude, the blob but probably no probably no to gerald Ford, but yes because we could stand outside his grave gosh the blob so, would be sick yes. guys and yes to bob so two yeses for me all right holy cow who, who are these people we just got two yeses from brock yeah who are these people that, I know you said psychic before, but there is some sort of a spiritual person that like can transcend... Uh, uh, mediums. Mediums. Oh, we exactly. should get one for the podcast. Well, Hell well yeah. we, we just... Oh, yeah. So, you know how if you interview a Japanese person that you need a translator to convert your English into Japanese? Not if they speak English. That's true. But let's say... Uh, okay. You got me. If they just speak Japanese only. Well, I'm saying we need one of these these psychic medium people to translate from our realm to the the do. afterlife. Yeah, that's, what, that's their job. Okay. We should scour all of Grand Rapids and like the West Michigan area and try to find the medium most confident to uh, to channel uh, Gerald R. Ford. The thing is, you, you're gonna have to scour Grand Rapids and find out the medium most. That, that really would be willing to work with Mallard is the bit, yeah. more than but the only problem is I feel like for sure the best part though is the medium like actually reads stuff that nobody else can read so they don't actually need Mallard to provide any information mm. which like that's what we typically are held up on is right a lack of actual information on what we're going to do or what oh, needs yeah, to be you done guys don't like that part uh, but mediums like that's like what they do so, you know, if we got this person, you know, we could, we, essentially, we'd be able to interview anyone dead or alive with this person, but would Gerald R. Ford be the first dead guy that you'd choose to interview? Not even close. Who do you think would be the number one? Jesse, who you got? I'm trying to think here. Um, I think, since we're a Grand Rapids podcast, oh. that we should go back and interview Louis Campaw the unofficial founder 
of Grand Rapids. Yeah. It's not even close to who I was going to say. But Dude, okay. but he, like... Who he was that guy who hijacked a plane and jumped out with a parachute and, Nicholas like, Cage? a ton of money? No, there was actually a guy who did it and disappeared, like, out oh, west. Yeah, yeah awesome. and people have been searching for Yeah, and, like, people believe that he actually, like, pulled it off and that he, like, still could be alive. Um... Oh, so he might not be dead, so we can't interview him now. Yeah. So let's hope, he's, let's hope that that guy's dead. Yeah. Well, okay. we it should be easier yeah. if he's we'll not dead, found right? Him. We used this psychic medium weirdo with a bunch of, probably smells like incense in there. What, what you guys are talking about is disgusting. Yes. Let's get back on track here. Good, good Christ. D.B. Cooper was the name of the guy, by the way. going where we were going. D.B. Oh, Cooper, Cooper, yeah, I heard that right. name yeah. before. I wonder if uh, the B and DB stand for Bob, and he can be the Bob that we, that we interviewed. You might be right. So, um, so talking about Gerald R. Ford, since I thought we were going to be at the museum, and then we ended yeah. up at Z's. This would have been talking about porn would have been bad at the museum. <laughs> I don't think. I think. I think we would have been a little more proper there. Because uh, there are a bunch of like Boy Scouts and uh, veterans around, and the veterans might talk about AKA a, a, a much more honorable crowd than Very us. Honorable. Yes. Now, I'm just going to say this because Gerald R. Ford was a great. He was a great man, and our guest uh, later later this afternoon is going to have some stories about Gerald R. Ford. Uh, I don't know that. I've actually never spoken to this guy. <laughs> talked to you this afternoon, but uh, I You're found him. Me. I found this guy because I was at his store and I was buying from one of his salespeople, and I heard him over there in the corner talking to uh, his staff, I think, and he mentioned Gerald R. Ford, and he was telling a, a funny anecdote. anecdote. Jinx. Yeah. Yep. Pinch poke, you owe me a bag of coke. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, so I think he's got some uh, stories in store for us. But Gerald R. Ford, he was a great man because he was a great football player and he played for the University of Michigan. Worst. And he actually got offers Wait, that's from, good? Well, no, I'm just kidding. Go on, go on. It is good. And he got offers from both Detroit, the Detroit Lions, and the Green Bay Packers. And you know what he did with that? Nothing. He turned them both down and decided to study law at Yale. Am I getting too close to the mic still? No, you're good. Yeah, like yeah. Every this time you like... every time you lean forward, you're toast. You're you're talking too loud. It's meant to just pick up you talking. Yeah, but I I just like it. It should be square. It's not a dire- It's not a directional mic. Keep talking about this guy. Basically. Right, I'm still learning. But uh, he decided to go to uh, study uh, law at Yale, right? which, is a, which is a pretty bold move when you can go to the NFL, but you yes, choose to, to stay in school. But I would argue that someone who's more famous than Gerald R. Ford is the first lady during his presidency, his wife, Betty Ford. I think she's more famous and more popular than Gerald himself. She didn't pardon Nixon. That's a that's a big it's a big difference. You know? No, but it's actually really funny because when I tell people that Gerald R. Ford is from Grand Rapids, they always say, "Oh, that's cool." Doesn't everybody hate him? And I was like, "Well, yeah, kind of now they do, but well, not what, here." What was going to happen to Nixon anyway? Was he just going to go to jail for a long time? I mean, he would have been the first U.S. president to be incarcerated. Yeah. 
history. You know who I look like today? Uh, a douchebag? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Just kidding. David Frost. Alright, so Betty Ford was an alcoholic, which I think I can we can uh, appreciate. Yeah, I can relate to that. And, you were the uh, first lady, and all you had to do was just like chill and occasionally give a statement, and they were like, right. hey, you gotta go give a statement in front of all these people. I'd just be like, hey, uh, can I get some of that you know, really, really expensive scotch. And yeah, I'll give it my statement in a couple hours and embarrass everybody and everybody will think it's great. Well, she was actually super involved in everything. She was one of the first ladies to become super involved in politics and uh, just public issues, social issues. And she actually gave the concession speech for Gerald R. Ford after the, uh, after he lost his, uh, that, that following election. And he was too hoarse. He had lost his voice from the campaign trail. So she gave the concession speech. But also, she uh, divorced her first ex-husband. But her first husband was in a coma. And he was in a coma for two years. And she stayed with him this entire time he was in a coma. And as soon as he woke up from the coma, she served him papers. Oh. Isn't that a savage move? I didn't know she was cold like that. Well, but I mean, she was so warm and nice while he was in the coma. But as soon as he came out of the coma, she served him papers. She could have left him while he was in the coma. You know, she was nice enough to stay with him until she saw him recover. That's kind of how I acted like with Max's girlfriend. Though. Like, when she was sleeping, she was fine. But when she was awake, she was a serious bitch. <laughs> yeah. And she's so, sleeping. Like, as soon as she woke up, I was like, fuck, I want her out of here. <laughs> so, I, yeah. All right, me, I get Betty. Sure. All right, well, all these things about Betty. And she was, she was super open. She mused about drugs. She was pro-choice. She mused about premarital sex. And she did it aloud without regret. What a broad. Really respect Betty Ford. And, of course, she uh, set up these things. Uh, she set up those camps or whatever for people that struggle with addictions and she has the Betty Ford Clinic which has helped a lot of people through it because she was an alcoholic herself recovered and wanted to help others recover great person and I learned all this from from Wikipedia obviously for sure and you know where I learned things growing up Wikipedia no it was prior to Wikipedia it was pre Wikipedia days and I used this, I used this source on all of my papers in elementary school. And I listed it as a valid source, but it was just as easy to use cited, as Wikipedia. Cited that shit? Yeah, I cited it, yeah. In my bibliography. Was it AskJeeves.com? <laughs> was it MLA I format? I probably have used that. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure. Uh, or Jeeves? I don't know. MLA, I'm not sure I knew what that was at the time. I didn't really learn MLA until high school, maybe college. But I used Microsoft Encarta. Did you guys ever use that? Oh yeah, Microsoft and Carta. Didn't that have like the like the Sphinx like on the front of it, or like yeah, King Tut like or something? Right, exactly. Yeah, that. Yeah, uh, King, I'm seeing that image. Right now. Yeah, actually, King Tutankhamun. But I think Microsoft and Carta is much more valid than Wikipedia, even though it's pretty similar. But you couldn't write an article about yourself. Is that a joke? Like you wouldn't get on Encarta and read an article about. Article about Andy Richter. Dude, you wrote this down to read as a joke. <laughs> Who gives a fuck about Andy Richter? He's got his own Wikipedia article. That's horrible. 
but uh, actually that's a throwback to episode one. But no one gets it because we had zero listeners. Do you get it, yeah, Jesse? You of course, there. man. I Remember said, we I said the words. Andy yeah, yeah we were of ripping course. On him? But we want him on the show. Actually. Were we ripping on him? We were ripping Ooh. on Andy Richter. Like, if anything, we did totally. Oh, we definitely ripped on Wyoming, Michigan, because that's his hometown. And then we were like, well, I mean, maybe it's kind of. Yeah. Maybe it's kind of reasonable that he never comes back here as, like, an icon around here because, like, who wants dead, to go right? back home to Wyoming? That's right. We did say that exact thing, yeah. You're dead. right. Huh? Right? He's dead. Andy Richter? No. He's yeah, still on Conan. Oh, that guy. Yeah, who'd you think? I don't know. Wasn't there another Richter that died? I don't know. Andy Dick? No. Not <laughs> did you say Andy Dick? Yeah. Andy, Andy Dick's Dick still alive. Yeah, and, like, probably has been trying to die for the last 30 years. Yeah, but I'm surprised he hasn't Maybe he's dead inside. Um, all right, so he's born dead inside. What what do we got there in terms of count? Time wise, yeah, we got about twenty six minutes and thirty seconds going right now. Really? Yeah, good enough. So I'm just gonna stage our conversation today with uh, it's gonna be with the man who and this this applies. This is why we're at the Gerald R. Ford Museum yeah. in spirit. I, I know that's where we are. Oh yeah, we're there. Yep. And uh, they serve beer here too, and they have great ribs. But uh, <laughs> we're at the Gerald R. Ford Museum because our guest today presented the Gerald R. Ford Recognition Award for an NCAA person, and he was a scout for the Detroit Tigers for quite some time. Actually, has three World Series rings, and he has been a carpet mogul here in Grand Rapids for uh, over 50 years. He's in his 90s now and still working. And he still works? Yeah, God bless him. Uh, so we're taking it as far back as we can, right? We want to get a good sample of all of the talent in Grand Rapids and sometimes you have to reach back and see what Grand Rapids was, you know, maybe 80 years ago. I don't know if he grew up here, maybe he grew up here, but we're going to ask him why he moved from Detroit to Grand Rapids and those sorts of things. But I'm really looking forward to it, and we're going to head over to Sullivan's Carpet and sit down with the man, and he's going to, he's, uh... Um, tell us his name. His name is Robert Sullivan. I don't even know his first name, dude. I'm just going to call him <laughs> Mr. Sullivan and hope that, uh... You know, We're going to end up talking to some random old guy named Mr. Sullivan. He has <laughs> nothing to do with any of this stuff. Did, did you find this guy on Craigslist? I'm just curious. No, I just told you. I was in there. I was buying carpet. They did a great job. And he was talk, talking about Gerald R. Ford. And I thought, this guy's great. And then I talked to my dad. I said, who's this guy? He goes, that's Sullivan. And he's a legend around here. So, And then I read an article about him. There was like a Greenville article. Shout out Greenville. And... Um, and there was an Shout article about him written in, <laughs> in 2014. And uh, he's uh, been gracious enough to uh, sit down with us and uh, spend some time with us today. So we're headed there, and we'll be back right after this. Oh yeah, 
I got um I don't know exactly where it is, but I'm youngest son, they sent him to high school uh, 10 miles away to Manitowoc, and uh, when he graduated from high school, he got a job with American Seeding Company. Oh, yeah. They had a plant here, and they had a yep. plant there, and they closed the plant there, and after so five moved years, they moved him. So here. all my family's in Manitowoc. Sure. And my mother was pregnant when we came here with me, so I was made in Manitowoc and born here. <laughs> I like that. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> so what what part of Wisconsin is Manitowoc in? Just that's seventy five miles north of Milwaukee. Okay. So Not too far from Green Bay. I'm oh that's where that uh there's a remember that Netflix thing? What's that? The Netflix, the there's like a huge special it's called Making a Murderer. Oh yeah. You ever see that? It's in Manitowoc, Wisconsin. No way. Oh yeah, you're right. They made aluminum goods there for years, forever. Okay. And they made submarines there, famous for that during the war. They oh, that's submarines. right. Yeah. Yeah. My, yeah. My dad is from Rhinelander, up yeah. there in north central Wisconsin. Yeah. yeah. And they have uh, their biggest plant and the biggest employer of that town was a, a popsicle stick factory. A what? A Jesse? popsicle it stick is. factory. <laughs> this yeah. one is, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> that's the type of business you find yeah. out there. You got another. So I heard this guy bought some carpet from you uh, just recently. Well, this, years. So that's that's basically. I wanted to know how you, how how he knew you, because he sent me an article, obviously that that, and I read about you, which was amazing. Yeah, right? it was really like, cool. I, I read all your your history and thought it was. The guy was doing a book on me, but he took too long. I told him. Yeah. Interview me. Interview me. <laughs> sports writer for the newspaper. Here. No way. Oh really? Don't forget it. Yeah, but I don't want to deal with that. It's a long, that's too much time. So that's yeah. that's one of the beauties of a podcast is we can just have a conversation and it's recorded and yeah. we don't have to translate yeah. it to text or anything. It's just raw mm-hmm. and uncut, you know? Mm-hmm. We are at Sullivan's Carpet on uh, 28th Street between Breton and Kalamazoo. As I'm sure all of you already know, it's a famous carpet store here in Grand Rapids. And we are with a legend of Grand Rapids, Mr. Sullivan himself who has been uh, gracious enough to to lend us a, a part of his day and give us some time uh, to sit down and and talk about uh, why he's a legend and the story but the stories behind that legend and uh, so we're here with Brock and Jesse and Mr. Sullivan and we're uh, I just think that part's so hilarious because I had no idea what his first name was I guessed Early on, I guessed that it was Robert, or somewhere along the way, I had thought of, or maybe read that it was Bob or Robert. But I made multiple attempts to try and get his first name out of him, and that little round table there—that was another—that was a weak attempt. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, did, I didn't we talk about that before that? I, I think at one point, because because he had a brother, right? Um, that was also like a baseball player or something like that. I remember. I, oh, did I, he? Yeah. And I, I remember specifically at one point in the interview him saying, uh, you know, yeah, my brother. But then I was like kind of pausing and waiting to see like what his brother's name was, you know, because right. maybe, you know, using a deductive reasoning, I could figure out <laughs> if I was wrong or not. But um, yeah, I think I know. We, it I all was, got sorted by the. <laughs> I, I was totally prepared to go through the entire interview, start to finish, like hello to goodbye with just calling him Mr. Sullivan. <laughs> <laughs> you mean, dude, I was too. I was too. I wasn't gonna try to throw out anything. 
You know, what's the point? I wasn't going to call him by an incorrect name. Yeah. Just okay. w- walk into his anyway. store, take an hour of his time, and then call him the wrong name at the end. Thank you. In a part of your store that has a lot of trophies here. Yeah. Um, um, from your storied storied history. So do you want to tell us a little bit about what, what these trophies are and how you came to obtain all these things to get started? Well, at one time I had the best bowling team in the country. Oh, hell yeah. And that, <laughs> for about uh, <laughs> six or eight years straight, I had the best amateur baseball team in the country. And then in the fall, I had a semi-pro football team, actually a professional football team. I okay. played in the United Football League where we had some players go to the NFL <laughs> from us. And then in the winter, I had the pro basketball team called the Tackers, and we had quite a few players there go to the NBA. And, wow. Uh, so I stayed busy uh, with, with my sport uh, dealings and uh, coaching, and, and uh, I was a... So it was a year-round thing. So all seasons were were filled up by a yes. sport. How'd you how'd you get into that? Like how'd you get into the sport? Like was it was it from a young age? Like you knew, hey, I just loved all sports. So you're talking about obviously baseball, which you are recognized for, but you also had like basketball and football teams. How'd you get into that stuff? Well, I've been a pretty good competitor all my life, and I obviously took sports as uh, one of my challenges, mm-hmm. and. Um, I spent uh, three years of my time in uh, Marine Reserves and uh, five months active duty during the Korean War. Mm-hmm. Wow. And which That's... made me pretty much uh, a believer in discipline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, so I enjoyed coaching and, uh, and uh, grew up uh, as an amateur boxer and uh, was uh, 24 and 1. I'm in the Golden Gloves Hall of Fame. Wow. I want to get into that actually a little bit. So you told us that you were twenty four and one as a boxer growing up. Yes. And tell us about that and what got you into it. What 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 got you out of it? Obviously, you're a huge competitor. So how'd you get into boxing and what what was that? Uh, I got like? into boxing because I was a uh, a swimming instructor at the YMCA, and uh, they had a boxing team there, and I started to work out there, and I just enjoyed it and. Uh, I like the competitiveness of of, uh, of fighting. But sure. was was there someone that like got on your nerves and you're like, I'm gonna work out and train so I can beat this <laughs> this guy's <laughs> just rear end. Yeah, like what are you like a bully in high school? Like what are we talking about? I don't know. <coughs> you know? Yeah, I, you know, I was the youngest one in my class. Uh, oh, when there I you graduated, go. I was oh, okay. sixteen. That toughens you up. And um, yeah, and I had a lot of bullies and uh, after I. Learn to be a fighter. And, uh, <laughs> they don't mess around with you so yeah, much, huh? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Did you graduate so, high school at 16? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Really? From Catholic Central. Yeah. Okay, Catholic oh. Central. I so, just turned 17 in my senior year. Yeah. I see. Okay. So that's tell great. us a little bit about your background. You grew up in, you told us, Manitowoc, Wisconsin, right? So It was made there. Made. Made, made in Manitowoc. Uh, yeah, made Growing in Manitowoc. Michigan. Tell us a little about here. that. I, I was trying to get that quote out of him, Ryan, but thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> he, just, he just gave it to yeah, us. Yeah, thanks. So yeah, tell us about a little about your background growing up and then coming here. Um... My father was a farmer and grew up on the farm in Manitowoc, Wisconsin, and uh, most of uh, my relatives are still there, but 
I came here, my, my mother was pregnant when we came here, and I was born and raised here. Oh, awesome. And so, born and raised near Valley Field, which is now named uh, after me, Bob Sullivan Field, oh, baseball yeah. field. Very cool. And I built a park across street from there for kids, and uh, that, a big part of my life was baseball. Right. So, can you get into a little bit about that? Like, how'd you get into baseball? Like, well, what, what led I you into that? Born uh, near Valley Field as a bat boy as a little kid and played a little league and you know when I was seven eight years old played the nine and ten year old league and oh, yeah. when I was nine and ten I played in the ten and twelve year old league and then I was all city played at Catholic Central as a freshman and then uh, played semi pro ball when I was in high school already and the team I played for lost a sponsor so then I was just started in business as a 20-year-old, and uh, after uh, a couple years, uh, when it lost a sponsor, I took over sponsoring a team and played, didn't manage, uh-huh. and after three or four years, you know, I knew more than the manager, I guess, so I started to manage <laughs> and play. Oh, that's awesome. And I had 79 guys, youngsters, play for me, go to the major leagues. Wow. In the 1970 team, I had 18 players on that roster that went to Wichita, Kansas, and won the national tournament. Nine of the 18 players that I had that year made the major leagues. <laughs> wow. Talk about yeah. some records. <laughs> you, you had an all-star That's unbelievable. Team, yeah, I've, I've heard of uh, other bat boys that one went on to become Batman. Which is, uh, <laughs> That's a terrible joke. <laughs> which is a pretty bad joke. But uh, he's, he's a comic book hero. Your story is a lot better, I think. And that... Did you have players that went on to play for the Tigers, and were you affiliated with the Tigers? Oh, yeah, sure. Go back to Willie Horton played for me. Yeah. That's the, the oldest player I had. And Phil Regan played for me. Okay. And uh, Mickey Stanley, Kurt Gibson. Kurt Gibson. Can you talk about how how did you get involved with the Tigers, and like how did you, so I I think you were a scout right for the Tigers. Thirty six years. How did wow. you how did you first get involved with that, and then how did you find a talent like Willie Horton? That guy is an absolute legend. You know, it's an interesting story, but I think I was blessed to understand baseball talent and the future of some of the players. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would take some of the ex-professionals from this area that would play for me in the summer and then uh, some top college players from around this area give them a job for the summer and play for me but then when we got going when we start going to Europe and play against Cuba and stuff in an international tournament I would get some players from Texas college kids in mm-hmm. California all over give them jobs for the summer and play for us and we would travel we would go two weeks to Alaska to play in the summer we'd go two weeks to Europe to play in the summer and we'd play a 70 game schedule so were you you doing both at the same time you had your carpet store and you had your carpet business this was still and then you also managed and and scouted for this oh wow you're a busy man (laughs) family that's crazy uh, my children and uh and the business quite a bit yes yeah especially in the summer and spring, it was a shiny day. I was gone, you know. Yeah. Right. And, right. Uh, and every for about 50, 60 years of my life, uh, every Sunday was uh, if the if it wasn't raining, I was Outside. at a golf field, Out either at home here or wow. out of town. Ah, so cool. you said you knew Gerald R. Ford, 
right? Yes. Now, did you ever get some of your carpet in the White House when he was president? No, but we, <laughs> I helped uh, make some carpet for him uh, that was made in Grand Rapids. Uh, really? Yeah, handmade. Oh. carpet for his office. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's cool. pretty cool. Yeah. He used to live right. He used to live down there in Argentina. I remember yeah. that. Did he? Yeah. I remember so, all the signs in East Grand Rapids that said "Home of Gerald R. Ford," and they were all over, kind of. Right. Strategically. Right. So, so were you close friends with him, or how did you meet? Yeah, him I belonged originally? to a breakfast club with him. That's right. And uh, I was on a first name basis with him, and then we sold Christmas trees every winter for two weeks on South Division for the Boy Scouts. Okay. <laughs> that's good. that's yeah. really cool. I like those stories. What kind, of, what kind of guy was he? Was he great guy? He's blue collar, you know, and yeah, uh, uh, just you know, he was in Washington most of the time. I didn't spend that much time with him ever, but uh, except to sell the Christmas trees and stuff, and he just that was crazy to me. And I thought that he would have more stories than that. I thought that was going to be the highlight of this interview. I thought he was going to be sharing the best stories and like we could have recorded a Ken Burns level documentary uh, with Gerald R. Ford stories. But beyond the breakfast club and beyond slang and Christmas trees, I'm not sure these dudes were hanging at all. Isn't it funny to think of this old dude, Sully and uh, Gerald R. Ford slanging Christmas trees on South division. Like, yeah, you know, we just got together down there for the Boy Scouts and uh, sold trees in the kind of nastier part of town. Now uh, I own a carpet empire and have World Series rings, and he was president. Right. Maybe maybe he just came into contact with so many people, uh, you know, of that caliber, that it's, he's just another guy to him. But I think the other thing that we've talked about before is that uh, he really likes his story, and he really wants oh, to yeah. tell his story. So, oh yeah, he kn- he Definitely. knew that the focal point wouldn't be him if he just went on and on about Gerald R. Ford, and I don't blame him for that. But no, not at all, not at all. I don't think. And uh, what's really crazy about it too is it, he didn't seem like a dude who liked to talk about people much. Like he liked to talk about right. baseball, and he, he'll mention names, but he never. He never seemed right. to like be like, oh, yeah, that guy. This one time I saw him do this. Or, you know, he always kind of seemed to be like on his own path, you know, like head down, kind of like working his ass off. Like, oh, yeah, Gerald R. Ford. I saw him a few times, whatever, you know. But at the same time, it's like anybody else would be like, uh, yeah, that's a pretty big deal. But he's like, no, I've, I've like won a world championship in like every sport, apparently. Um, it's pretty impressive. What would have been an interesting thing uh, or what we should have found out about is what people thought about Gerald R. Ford when he was either president or trying to run for a second term. And that's what I would have liked to hear about. That's what I should have asked Sully. I should have asked the guy that you remember slanging Christmas trees with. Is that the right. same guy that became president, or did you not recognize the guy that became president? Yeah, I completely agree, honestly. Um, that's a pretty big gap from you know doing a fundraiser for the Boy Scouts to uh, becoming the president. So I can I mean, it is, it is, but maybe that was just like the peak of their friendship, and they still 
communicated or stayed in contact somewhat in the following years. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, probably became distant. But Oh, yeah. no, I absolutely agree. I just mean, like, like, yeah, man, there's a lot of steps in between there. Like, he could have changed into a completely, like, like maybe he was, like, a hippie stoner in high school. You know what I mean? Like, how right. funny would that be? Like, Gerald R. Ford was just, like, a burnout, and everybody else looked down on him. Then he becomes president, pardons Nixon, or uh, then he becomes vice president, pardons Nixon, all that stuff. Forgot about that. I forgot about that pardon, pardon Nixon thing. All right, let's move What's on. Up? Yeah, when'd you when, when'd when you meet him? Like, how'd you? Yeah, well, how'd you first come met him? Brought him to a breakfast club. Uh, yeah, we used to meet uh, once every other week uh, for breakfast. Yeah, in the. Uh, Pentland Hotel. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, of course. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Have a little eggs and bacon and coffee. It's yeah. always a good time. That's so sweet. there was, a, we were reading an article, uh, and there was there was, there was a young lady, her name was Elizabeth or something, that came in. She worked for a newspaper around here. And it's it's out there. It's, a, it's actually a great little uh, snippet yep. about your life and yep. sh- what she documented. Uh, but in it, it said that you gave and presented a Gerald R. Ford Recognition Award. Do you remember this? Yes. Now, what can you tell us about that award and, and what it represents? And do you remember who you gave it to? Who you presented it to? I didn't. I was presented the award. Oh, you were given the award. Yeah, I was given okay. the award. Okay. That, totally, that totally makes sense. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. so, a, I've been given a lot of awards. I've in six Hall of Fames uh, for sports. Mm-hmm. I'm in the Golden Globes Hall of Fame. I'm in the National awesome. Baseball Congress Hall of Fame. Wow. I'm in the European uh, Dutch Hall of Fame, Sports Hall of Fame. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm just, uh, I'm in the uh, Grand Rapids Sports Hall of Fame. That's I'm amazing. in the state of Michigan Sports Hall of Fame. So I kind of want to ask you a little awesome. bit about your scout. Right, so you 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 said that you scouted Willie Horton and Kirk Gibson and all these guys. How does that compare with how people scout nowadays? It's all statistics and analytics and all that crap, right? Garbage, I think. But how did you see it? Thirty-six years I scouted for the Tigers. The only instrument we would use was a stopwatch, and today you got computers and you got. Reports you have to make and right. uh, yeah, and look uh, at the guys speed, that you find. Kirk Gibson and Willie Horton, two of the best of all time, right? Yeah. Willie lived in Detroit, and the ball club told me about him, mm-hmm. and so then they, I went down there in his final couple games in high school. Then I brought him up here and played for me in the summer mm-hmm. because there aren't too many guys that could play in high school. Mickey Stanley and he. And Phil Regan are the only three guys that ever played for me out of high school. Sure. Okay. You know, because oh. I had a pretty good team with college stars and ex-pros. And uh, Willie played for me that summer. He would travel back and forth, and then he worked for me a little bit at the store. But mostly he lived at the YMCA for the summer and mm-hmm. okay. played for me in the summer. And what was the name of your team? Did you guys Sullivan's. Sullivan's. Do you have a mascot or something? No, yeah, Shamrocks. It was a, it was a oh, Shamrocks. Shamrocks. Okay, that like makes that. a lot of sense. Okay. I like that. My last name is O'Mara, so I know I like that a lot. <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm Maloney too, so yeah. we're, we're Irish. Guys. Very it's Irish like podcast here. We uh, we actually were at uh, Quinn and Toots. Quinn and Tooties. Quinn and Tooties. Quinn and Tooties. Yeah. And they have a big poster there on the wall. 
that has Big time all Sullivan of the, uh, logo right there on the wall. Exactly. It has all of the coat of arms of all the Irish families. Mm-hmm. That, oh, that's really was, cool. There was O'Meara, there was Mahoney, I think, but I don't think there was O'Meara <laughs> and Maloney. But there's definitely a Sullivan. <laughs> so, and my guess was that it's a big shamrock. Yeah. What Let me tell dr- you off the off story that you get a kick out of. Uh-huh. Yeah, oh yeah, last please. Time I was in the Netherlands playing against Cuba. I was interviewed by a female Dutch reporter in a after the game, and uh, she said, "How come you uh, you enjoy coming to to the Netherlands to play against us?" I said, "Well, I come from a Dutch community, you know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I'm also part Dutch, you know." Mm-hmm. She said, "What do you mean you're part? You know, you wear those shamrocks on your shirt." <laughs> <laughs> you know, I said, "No, the end of me is Dutch." She said, "What, what do you mean the end of you is Dutch?" I said, "Well." My name ends V A N. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I especially oh, I like that because oh, yeah. my last name is Van Dellen. Um, so I mean, no, spending a lot of time in Detroit and you know scouting for the Tigers and being affiliated over there. Was there was there any uh, desire to move to Detroit, or what really drew you to Grand Rapids and wanting to stay around here? Well. You know, I was a leader in bringing pro baseball to town. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And at the time, Love that. at the time, that league was mostly in Wisconsin and Illinois and uh, so far away from here. Mm-hmm. And uh, even though I had that interest and started, uh, I'd even talked about moving franchises here, buying franchises and so on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the general manager was like a bro- the Tiger general manager Jim Campbell was like a brother with me. We were very close. Sure. Wow. Sometimes he wouldn't make a trade without asking me what I thought. <laughs> That's how close I was. Anyway, <laughs> That's pretty cool. Anyway, That's real cool. He finally talked me out of it. Said, "Sully, we would never get involved with having a minor league baseball team in Grand Rapids." Mm-hmm. And he said, "If you were in my shoes, or you were the owner of this team." Would you want your guys riding buses or would you want them playing baseball? And at mm-hmm. the time, there was no Battle Creek. There was no Indiana, Fort Wayne, or mm-hmm. South. Yeah, Washington. right. So it was far. No Flint. They were so far away, you'd be having riding buses. So mm-hmm. I, right. I would have to give up my job as scouting and I'd have to divorce myself from the Tigers. And mm-hmm. I just surrendered. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so I would just want to ask you a question kind of about we're talking about ownership and stadiums and stuff like that and the Tigers obviously. Yeah, right. but Mike Mike Illich. So yeah. was he was he, did he own the team when you were a scout? Was yeah, it yeah. under the Illich family? That's when I left. <laughs> I, I think this uh to us or anyone that likes Detroit sports was one of the most revealing and interesting parts of the of the interview because I mean everyone from our generation loved Mike Illich, loved the Red Wings, loved the Tigers and loved the success and thought it was great that you could oh, yeah. you could start a pizza joint and end up with billions of dollars to own teams, you know? Even if the pizza only cost five dollars for for cardboard and pepperoni, <laughs> you know. But yeah, it's the cheapest like pizza you can find. But yeah, but and he's beloved. But this is one person who lived through the takeover of the Tigers and has a completely different opinion that we've never heard before on Illich. 
I yeah, I've never heard anybody say that stuff. Um, yeah. But I don't know the history at all. Like, I don't know Detroit sports for the most part. And it uh, it it was just funny because you know he enjoyed being with the Tigers, and then all of a sudden this new owner comes in, and he had been running the Red Wings, uh, and then brought all this hockey people over, and then Sol- Sully who was uh you know had spent his whole life in baseball and a really knowledgeable person if he was forced out you know with all the stuff that he knew about baseball and all that he was contributing to the organization if he was forced out and uncomfortable with the new ownership you can imagine how many other people that the tigers lost and i guess it was really reflected in in the records and the and the quality of the the teams in the in the in the following years in the years following. Yeah, yeah. definitely seems that way. I'm, I mean, it kind of. I can't imagine just like ripping apart something that had been together that long, no matter what it right. was. Really, you know, like, uh, you know, if Sully's just a scout. I, who are the people that manage the whole thing? And I always kind of wondered like how big business was back then. You know, as yeah, like were were scouts getting paid very well? Yeah. Because I feel like the game is so big now that like an exodus like that might be kind of uh, really bad. You know, like if yeah. you fired all the staff for a team now, like I feel like you would have a very good chance at like crippling that program, um, right. and they'd never come back from it. Right. <laughs> See, got bit. rid of all the baseball people and put his hockey people in there in the summer. Oh, they didn't that's have interesting. Jobs in the summer. I've never heard that before. Out the first five years, it was terrible. Okay. And that's why we went, our minor league system and the whole system went bad. Oh, really? Right. Yeah. So he, he he basically brought in, like, obviously, because he was a Red Wings guy. Yeah. Brought in the hockey people. Oh, yeah. oh even his p- family, you know, were all. Sure. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. In there. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So that, and, and at that point, the baseball, yeah. like the scouting yeah, department and everything yep. just went kind of collapsed. Finally, I mean, then they turned it around brought in Dombrowski and okay. some baseball people. Right. Really when did Illich? Around. When they did made, Illich take they, over? He got, he, first of all, he made us get rid of Ernie Harwell, you know, because he right, that was, he wanted a new stadium. Who's yeah, a legend? Which under I understand right, part of that, right. but to get rid of guys like uh, Jim Campbell and mm-hmm. uh, you oh, know, yeah. our general manager and yep and uh, all of the scouting director and all the people at. Uh, in the front office said he got rid of him, brought all his people in. Which so, Dombrowski yeah. didn't seem like a bad move, but in the backside. It seems like people don't realize all the importance of everyone from the ground up, like yourself, obviously, yeah. and Scout. Can you explain to us like the importance of all of those people that is up to the front offense and the the importance that they play in the organization? It's, it's, it, it was a ground up, exactly. All the people, the, mm-hmm. our financial secretary uh, was one of the mm-hmm. vice presidents, and she knew about all the contracts and everything mm-hmm. else. Oh yeah, he one day just one day after a few months after he bought the club, uh, a uh, Pinkerton, you know what do you call it? Pinkerton? Uh, um, uh, oh, pink private, slips. Private. Uh, oh, they like a detective of some sort or security uh, people. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh really? He had yeah. people sure. come, out of Two of them come with big boxes and came to Alice Sloan's office and told her she's fired and. She, they got boxes for her to put her personal stuff in, and she's got to no leave. Way. That's Whoa. very cool. Yeah, no. that's huh? not right. Well, I can, but that would suck. So yeah, it's not not fun. Yeah, 
Oh my god! And at that point, you That's just kind of you get hostile, rid of the inf- a hostile takeover. Dude. A hockey man shouldn't run a baseball organization. They try. You know? Yeah. Because I figured this summer they don't have work, so they used some of the hockey people oh, from gosh. the office and family right. to help run the Tigers. It doesn't seem like it would match no. because Michael Jordan once tried to play baseball. Yeah. Remember <laughs> that? That didn't turn out so well. <laughs> He's pretty good. <laughs> he should just stick to basketball, and Illich maybe should Who's just stick to the quarterback now that uh, is trying to uh, Tebow. Match. Huh? Tim Tebow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah we were I just, just talking about Oh, you're kidding, really? Yeah. I was with Phil Regan the last two days he was in town, <laughs> you know. And uh, Regan works as a minor league pitching coach for yeah. the Mets. Oh, no. Oh, really? And uh, he, uh, Tebow played with the Mets. He's just, <laughs> he's just not at, He's no, not there. Really? See, that's the funny <laughs> thing is, and, and, and you get the organizations like ESPN that just wants to cover Tebow, too, and they're just exactly. like, oh, they love him, they love him. But in, in actuality, I'm, I'm wondering the same thing, like, can this dude actually play? He's right. 26 years old and he was playing in low A. So. Low A in Arizona, yeah. right? Like right, yeah. I don't know about that. And he hit 250, so that's or let's take Phil Regan for sure. instance. Absolutely. Who, uh, who I'm like a godfather to Phil. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, uh, he was end up with 14 and one one year with the Dodgers. Can you believe that as a reliever? That's unbelievable. 14 <laughs> that's a reliever. That's unheard wow. of these days. They call him the vulture. They had Sandy Koufax like and Drysdale. Goodness. They would pitch for eight or nine innings, and the game would be tied, and they'd take him oh out, put God. Regan in, and score right away and win for him all the time. Yeah. Or he'd come in that. when the game's behind, and they'd score runs right away, and he'd be a winner. To yeah. win 14, 14 and 1 as a reliever. Uh, reliever usually to have 15 two and two or four and one. Or yeah, four exactly. and so I was going to say, to have 15 decisions as a reliever yeah, is impressive, right, right? Right. So they call him the vulture because he'd suck up all the wins. Okay. He lived in Wayland right here. Uh-huh. Really? And he pitched in Wayland. And he pitched, he pitched on, if you're in, you ever go to the to the uh, gambling place? Oh. The casino? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Well, the chief there was a catcher on an Indians baseball team. No way. Uh, you know, oh, is that the, right? On, <laughs> yeah. He was on the when Indians? When was in high oh. school, <laughs> he played with them on Sunday. <laughs> Pitched for him on Sunday, and the chief was the catcher. Interesting, huh? That's awesome. Really? What? Listen, he worked for me every winter when he was in the minors. And one winter, we carpeted a house over on Burton Street near the expressway. Uh Carpeted the wrong house. (laughs) (laughs) Supposed to go in the house next to it. Uh, Uh, The house is the same, but it was... Looked looked the exact same. Right. So anyhow... (laughs) That's unbelievable. So some people get some... So anyhow, Phil was a minor leaguer at the time. The owner sold the house to Regan uh-huh. for nothing down and a couple thousand a month. Sure. Huh. And he lived in it. <laughs> Over here on Burton? On Burton. A nice, a nice five freshly years. carpeted new house. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and then made money on it. We talked about it that's yesterday. A, even, or that a is, days ago that's a very funny. <laughs> that's yeah, that's awesome. really funny. Oh, uh, uh, just carpeted so, the wrong house. Look the exact same. So you and Mike Illich actually have kind of parallel paths because you had your carpet business and you kind of bought and started a baseball team and he had his pizza empire and started a hockey team and moved on from there now i'm curious to know what do you think about little caesar's pizza well let me tell you something that's a good question i'll tell you why (laughs) just yesterday pat truskowski was in here okay he owns about four or five little pizzas yeah that's my favorite. He wants to keep ripping on Illich. He really doesn't like Illich. But he will not respect Illich enough to call his pizza places by their real name. 
<laughs> so he just calls them little pizzas. I know. It's the best. <laughs> and he knows the fucking name. He's been around the name for like yeah. the last like 40 fucking years. You know, he's heard the name, but like refuses to acknowledge that it exists. Right. Like whatever, those little pizzas. Little, like. little pizza is so disrespectful. Little pizza? Like what a... Little pizza. You know, it's one of those stupid... Trump pet names that he that he deals out trying to be a bully, you know. Uh, dude, didn't I was gonna say? Didn't he call? Didn't he call Marco Rubio little Marco? Yeah, that's it. There you go. Oh, Case whatever, in point. little Marco and lion lion Ted. All right. Gosh. <laughs> little pizza. Sick Mike and his little, little pizza. It's crazy. Greedy Mike. And it was funny. Well, until about ten years ago, he was the president of about 25 little pizza stores. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Doug, um, I can't think of his name, was the main owner, principal owner. And when Illich bought the Tigers, he told me that Illich used to be a pretty good blue-collar guy. Now he's Really? Here. Snobby? You'd think I'd get some tickets. He'd offer us some tickets. He had right. owned 20-some stores. You right. Know? right. At the beginning. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. says, uh, Illich, I don't know about it. So I... Huh kind of sour. Then after he bought the club, what happened, I left the first year, and it was a funny thing how I left was that Jim Campbell called me one day and he said, uh, uh, Sully, he says, uh, uh, Haywood Sullivan, who was the general manager and owner then of the Red Sox, became a, was a friend of mine and he, Jim Campbell, says uh, he'd like to have you come to work for him now. I said, okay. So he gave me a three-year contract, you know. No way. To work for the Red Sox. So I left the Tigers and went to work for the Red Sox. Haywood Sullivan. You lived out in Boston? Huh? You lived out in Boston for those three years, or did you live here? No, I... You still just scouted around here. Oh, that's cool. The funny thing is, uh, Haywood called me and said, uh, the big guy said that uh, he'd come to work for us now. He said, just, I want you to just, he said, he he told me he don't like written reports. Just answer to my Midwest supervisor. He lives in Chicago, uh-huh. and he says, I'll give you a three-year contract That's and awesome. pay you double what you were getting. That's awesome. <laughs> much, much better to <laughs> be. So anyhow. I'll take that. And then after three years, listen, then the guy that was the, the supervisor from Chicago yeah. became scouting director for the Diamondbacks. Okay. On the way. You know what he is now? General manager of the Washington Club. Oh, oh, of the uh, yeah, what the national? Oh. No, that's Rizzo. the manager, oh. the Rizzo. general manager. Oh, Rizzo. Yeah, okay. Mike Rizzo, general yeah. manager. Yeah, no oh, way. Cool. Yeah, that's great. And they're doing much, really well. Much better to be offered a new contract as a severance package rather than having two people show up with empty boxes. You know? Oh, <laughs> well, I don't know. Yeah. Why are they empty? Why are the boxes empty? No, so you I have mean, to empty I, all your I'm stuff in it. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Oh, that's terrible. Continue. Well, Right. Well, because that's what happened to that one person, if you conti- recall. Continue. So, uh, another question that I was kind of curious about is, like, you're in, you're in good health, and you've lived a really long life. What would you say is your secret? What do you attribute such good health to? Well, I've been, you know, I maybe you say I'm in good health, but I've been through, through a lot uh, in my life. I had uh, uh, cancer bad... Uh, rear end cancer and and it was uh they give me a 45 percent chance to live wow and uh i got lucky the uh 
team doctor that I had here for years that would go on trips. We'd go to Alaska or Wichita or Europe. He'd go with us every time. Sure. Mm -hmm. And uh, he took me when they found out that I had that cancer. Mm -hmm. He took me to Mayo for about four days. Mm -hmm. And they examined me and they recommended some treatment that I get chemo. Mm -hmm. And uh, I came back here and got the treatment and cured it. So you beat it. Grand Rapids. You beat it. That's awesome. I've had other cancers. When I didn't look at my face. Uh, I just got carved up uh, a month ago. Uh, you think that you, lost your well, you want to? And you got all the treatment back here in Grand Rapids, or? Look at it. Let's see this. You got it oh, all. Oh yeah, that was kind of a this, holy this is my cow. Left side. Yeah. Wow. Oh. This wow. That side. Well, it healed up real well. Yeah. yeah. yeah you can even tell. Sixty-eight oh, stitches. Sixty-eight. <laughs> wow. I think it's so funny that, you know, I'm just trying to ask him the secrets of good health. And then, you know, he obviously, I mean, I don't blame him, but he he's talking about his battle and he beat it. But, you know, he thought we were so curious that we wanted to see it, that we wanted to see what this cancer was all about. Like, we don't know what cancer is. Yeah, like we don't know what us, man. We don't yeah, believe you. No. Yeah, like we said, no, you didn't. You didn't have cancer. No way. Show us the receipt. <laughs> show us the receipt yeah yeah but, but i mean he was saying yeah cut carved up a month ago and all of a sudden reaches into his sport jacket pocket and pulls out <laughs> three full page printout images from like a laser colored jet printer of <laughs> this cancer on his nose uh, just had it at the ready for us, you know. It was unbelievable, and it's uh, <laughs> yeah. some of the craziest stuff I've ever seen, too. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's not too many people who are like, "Oh, you know, I got my appendix out last April," and you're like, "Oh, really? That's crazy. What happened?" And you're like, "Well, actually, I got some pictures handy. You check this out. You know, let me just yeah. show you." Uh, Here it is in a jar. Sheets of my appendix they took out of me. Right. Like, it does Lance Armstrong go around showing his gold medals in a jar of one of his testicles? Oh, God, dude. You oh. know? Unbelievable. <laughs> what kind of Both doctors were these? 16, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> and you got all the treatment done here in Grand Rapids. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I've had my, you know. But, well, congratulations. But That's awesome. I've like, actually been... Never been missing from a store more than three or four days ever. You know, you know it sounds Every like someone year. that's been working for as many years as you have. Been in the Korean War, been in working, playing in baseball, I've and had then five managing baseball. Bought and sold five <laughs> hotels. Wow. You know. Yeah. So have you? Has, has, you, has your business there. career has it always been in Grand Rapids, or has you, have you kind of branched out? I've always or? been outside of my scouting. Everything I've yep. ever done this year. Yeah. That's awesome. So how do you say you like shape? Obviously, you've helped shape the city, and you and said was, you went to Catholic I, Central. For the last couple of years, I was awful strong in my life. Like I was working out in a gym, boxing gym, and mm -hmm. down the road here. And the coach tells me that I hit that bag like a thirty-year-old. You know, yeah. <laughs> better than me, I guarantee you that. Better That's than awesome. me. Better than me for sure. <laughs> so one of the things you mentioned before we started this was that that you were twenty-four and one. 
and you had a good story about that one. Yeah. Well, now what what happened in that one? Yeah, let's hear let's hear the let's hear the one. Got it on video. Did someone get it on video for the championship of the Golden Globes here? Okay. And for Michigan Golden Globes and. Uh, there were two left, only two guys left in uh, our division, and uh, we started with 30-some in the uh, in, uh, Wallerweight division. Okay. Anyhow, uh, I stayed out all night because I knew I could beat them anyway. I was yeah, that's gambling right. all night, playing pool with <laughs> cards. And, uh, as on one, Street, as one that's would That's some old-school boxing yeah, stuff yeah, right yeah, there. I like that. that. My good buddy was a boxer also, was a middleweight boxer, and he was in my corner. And after two rounds, he told me, just, just box this. Yeah. You fight. won the first two rounds, you got to fight one. Just, just fight. Stand up. So I boxed the third round. I think I won the third round, too. And the fight's over. He said, just bring the trophy over here. Just bring it over here. You know, I <laughs> and I guess two of the judges didn't like it too much. They voted two and one. No way. Oh, no. no way. Two and one the other way. Mm. Then they wanted me to go to Chicago to go to the Nationals because the other guy knew that I was better. Didn't want yeah, to they wanted anyway. you to be yeah. the guy who goes on and didn't wins. Didn't want to go anyways. I don't know. Stick it. <laughs> then I fought Get the hell with Russ Ramey in the AAU yeah. in Indiana and won that Indiana yeah. AAU championship. After that fight. With the Golden yeah. Well, those judges obviously Listen. didn't know boxing, right? Because there's trash talking as a part of boxing. If, uh, no. if Floyd Mayweather yeah. got yeah. got oh, boy. got nicked yeah. for any of his trash talking, <laughs> he'd, he'd, he'd be 0 50. He'd be 0 50 instead but of 50. But even the paper know. said the next day, the, so, the paper said that won all three rounds. Uh, so basically, oh, really? what I'm hearing Somehow is lost the. the play, uh, but won every round. Yeah. What I'm hearing is Mr. Sullivan's the best boxer in Grand Rapids history. That's what I heard. Not yeah, Floyd Mayweather. Yeah. Yep, undefeated so boxer in Grand Rapids history. Yep, Best that. undefeated yeah. boxer the, in yeah. Grand Rapids history. And the first. 25 and 0. I was a, a uh, uh, lightweight and welterweight. Now look at me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, that's, this is part of gr- that's just part of growing up. Look at me. I'm, I'm not even 30. and I'm, I'll tell you, yeah. I had my own gym when I was on Bridge Street. And, and for two years, I had a gym. Mm-hmm. It was sponsored Golden Gloves team. Okay. That's cool. Phil Regan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Brock, Brock, who's probably uh, the biggest baseball guy out of anyone, was super excited about talking to this guy about a select few uh, players like Willie Reed and Kurt Gibson and, I don't know, some other guys. But <laughs> but he wasn't getting much out of them. So he liked to talk about Phil the Vulture Regan. That was by far his favorite player and the guy he had most stories about. But if you went to Baseball Card City, you tried to t- tried to sell your Phil the Vulture Regan baseball card to anybody, even if it was in mint condition in a case, you're not going to get shit for it. <laughs> <laughs> was one of my back boxers. And really? I trained him in my gym. That's crazy. Listen. And a pitcher. And we and a pitcher. And, uh, <laughs> In the winter time, he worked for me, so we had the Golden Gloves train, and in the winter he was training to fight in the Golden Gloves. Mm-hmm. And uh, a month before the Golden Gloves started, we had an exhibition at the Knights of Columbus. Yeah, yeah. And he fought, and he fought the Marine Corps ex Marine Corps champion, knocked him out. Are you serious? <laughs> he probably would have been honest. He was a hell of an athlete. Really. Oh, well, I mean, wow. and. Campbell found out about it, and at the time he was a triple-A pitcher, he said, hey, 
no more boxing. That's crap. Baseball player. Oh, that's. What was your bigger passion then? What was your bigger passion, boxing or baseball? Obviously, you're very passionate about both. Both of them. Yeah. Both of them, but passion mostly baseball. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. this emerald ring that I'm seeing on your on your well, finger, I got two I, two World Series. Somebody ripped off my uh, my condo. You want me to find them? One of my World <laughs> Series rings, but that's a national championship with. Uh, oh uh, yeah. That's awesome. Nin- 1984 yeah. national champions, yeah. right there. That's Sullivan's pretty cool. Shamrocks. That's that your awesome. Shamrock team. That's awesome. Yeah. Someone ripped off really one of your cool. World Series yeah. rings. If I find them, it'll, it'll come back because it's got my name. I was just gonna say it's one of those things that how do you even steal that when it, each one goes to a specific person? Oh, people suck. Yeah, so. it's so terrible. I just want to kind of end on this, uh, just because we are kind of focused on Grand Rapids and and its history, and you know, speaking with the legend. Like you didn't get into one thing a little more than what's that? Yeah. And I'm proud of that. I bought 34 parcels along the river. Oh yeah, let's hear about this. Yeah, yeah. 34 parcels. And most of it is where the glass towers are now, sure. and where the Ford Museum is. Right. Where the Ford Museum is, I had a tile store, two different nightclubs, and two big warehouses. Wow. Uh, That's unbelievable. What happened, what happened with that? What? What happened with that? How did that well, proceed? Went, the Ford Museum kept expanding and wanted, bought the turkey. They the bought you for, out, or did they kind they, of push you they out? They would have put me out. But yeah. Eventually, domain, but yep. they federal the land and the building only, nothing for the businesses. And right. those nightclubs are what made me. I yeah. made the money. Really? money. Really? That's how you got your start, or the, you know, financial start to what and you then, were. Well, the, 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 the store building, for instance, a guy by the name of Bob Gruders uh-huh. built that glass towers there. Okay. He bought that property from me, mm-hmm. and uh, at I bought the land along here with the nightclub money, all this land. I bought it from the from the corner there to all the way to DJ's. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And uh, so when Gruder's cut along and brought the building, it built me a new store here. Yeah. You know, and a bunch of money besides money sure. besides right for the property. So how the hell can I turn that down? Can't say no to that. Right. So. Very cool. You own some of the best property in Grand Rapids that ever existed. All along the river. I mean, that's that's really where it is. What led you to that? People hold their nose up about the river property. Mm -hmm. All you had along the river were factories. Yeah, I was gonna say trash places. You know. So how did you? What led you to think? Hey, this is a property that I want to invest in. Because I was always a water nut. You know, I bought (laughs) property on Lake Michigan. I bought property on the Rogue River. Sure. Okay. I bought Beautiful. property of uh, Round Lake. I bought property at uh, uh, Comstock Park, north of the ballpark. I had 32 yeah. lots there. Wow. wow. You know? <laughs> Which is now going, that's crazy money there, too. Yeah. yeah. That's really cool. Well, so you just always knew. They declared that flood, lot, flood plain. I lost Flood plain? Really? Took over, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there are a few Couldn't lots that just got anymore. eaten up. Rogue River, too, they did the same thing to me. Wow. Right, right where the expressway is, mm-hmm. just on the west side of the expressway, I had 20-some lots there or something uh-huh. Wow. that I was going to develop, you know, for building. And you now those are all, you got yeah, rid of them all? I gave them my daughter. I'm proud. I pretty wasn't a great family person, but I had a wonderful wife and two mm-hmm. daughters. They're both big-time lawyers. 
What do your daughters oh, do now? They're still lawyers They're now? They're lawyers, yeah. That's cool. what you have dollars an hour. <laughs> yeah. They have yeah, families baby. now? Or they, they have families here uh, in Grand Rapids one, now? One granddaughter. Okay. Cool. Yeah, that's that's good for you. Start working. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, the, you are a true Renaissance man, which is why we wanted to talk to you because it's just really interesting stories that you have. Now, what what would you what do you think about current day Grand Rapids? And do you think that it's still improving from the Grand Rapids that you grew up in? And uh, if there's anything you would change or advise about the f for the future of Grand Rapids, what what would that be? <laughs> I love the community, for one thing. Yeah, okay. good people. I think it's a great community, and we're only 25 miles from Lake Michigan. Right. I think is a big asset. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, especially as much as I love water, you know, all my life. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think it's a... It's special, you know? I think it's got a great future, especially with... Uh, the uh, medical mile, medical people coming in. Right. In fact, I think it will be the number one medical city in the world I in the next couple of years. Yeah, yeah, that's what they're shooting for, yeah. too, and it's realistic, I think. And so I think it's, a, a, you know, the weather here, you got four different seasons. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't want to live anyplace else because by the time you're... Um, pissed off about excuse me but <laughs> this is in the middle of january by the way the next one will be here right this know. is in the middle of january that we're talking here so most people yeah. like myself are like why the hell do i live in michigan in the middle of january so to say that is something yeah but yep and i've been blessed i i owned five hotels and uh, you know uh did pretty well and selling each one of them mm-hmm and uh, now I'm just down to my original business and, and uh, had a great life. That's yeah. all. That's awesome. And the city has treated me very well. That's yeah. awesome. Uh, Absolutely. Well, you know, we really appreciate it. And uh, thank you for, for being gracious enough to spend time with us and telling us your story. I think, I mean, that was, that was yeah, awesome. Yeah, thanks for having I, us I in your story. Really it's time. really cool. Thanks Anything so much. Else? And uh, if you want to know, call me. Well, God, All right. God, God bless you I'll for that. Gone. I uh, had a condo in Marco Island for the last oh. 30 years. His family spent some time there. Yeah. And, yeah. And, uh, I sold that too. I sold everything, you know. Right before yeah. the hurricane there? Yep. Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I sold it last year. Oh, there you go. It's nice. perfect time. <laughs> and uh, now I, I go. To Florida, you know, I used to go every year for spring training maybe four or five times and sometimes spend a week there. But now I go two or three days at a time. Like I, last week I went to uh, Hard Rock in uh, uh, Fort Lauderdale. Oh, nice. cool. And I stayed for three days. And one day I fished, one day I played golf, and the next day I said, I don't Time to go back. Home, you know? yeah. uh, sounds like yeah. sounds like the weather. Sounds absolutely and, uh, awesome. Next, yeah. Every year I go to uh, Vegas in January for the carpet and furniture show. Mm -hmm. And uh, now I like to gamble a little bit, so mm -hmm. I uh, yeah. next month I take a Hell charter yeah. jet from Kalamazoo for about fifty people. We fly oh. nonstop to Biloxi, Mississippi. For oh. Oh, yeah. oh, nice. 
Pick me up with a lemon and take me over. That's pretty cool. Sounds freaking awesome. Uh, that's the life right there. Yeah. So yeah. Very nice. That's one that I want to be living someday. Absolutely. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'll just be doing what I'm doing. But, <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I really appreciate okay, it, sir. That was great. Yeah. Thank you so hey, much. Hey, thank you.